Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Just, just in seeking the Lord lately, uh, it, it has been, I, I can feel the Holy Spirit and His desire for the purity of heart. Uh, he said in, in Matthew chapter 5, He said, Blessed are those uh, uh, who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of times we like to talk about that scripture where he said, write the vision and make it plain. You can't write vision if you can't see correctly. You, you, vision is not just like a, let's cast it like this is the vision of life. Vision is like what I see in the third heaven, and I can relate what I see by the Spirit of God, and I can relate that to a man. I can relate what I hear and what I see from the Father, because that's what Jesus did. At all times, Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what I see. What I, so we have to have vision to see beyond what is natural, what is, what is seen with my natural eyes. I have to have vision at all times to see what God is revealing and what He's doing, and we have to be able to do it swiftly. And why I say swiftly because he wants to do that in every moment. Like if I'm headed into a store, into a situation, he wants to be able to give you eyes to instantly see. Instantly see what you're walking into. And you could leave this moment and go into this moment. And you need to have eyes to see in this moment. So he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So sometimes when our vision is skewed, it's not for a lack of, 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 of clarity or things like that. Sometimes it's the muddiness of our heart. Uh, from the, from the heart, the issues of life flow. The heart is what Jesus came and was so violently after. You've seen in the way he talked to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They would keep the law. They would keep the rules. They would keep with what, what was written. But they didn't have the heart behind it. They didn't know the Father's heart behind it. The heart is what everything will flow out of. And when we lose purity, we cannot have clear vision. We cannot have clear vision. And I can't cast a vision if I can't correctly see. And sometimes a lot of times as, as men, when we start losing vision, instead of going and dealing with why my heart may not be pure, it would be easier for me to take a, a, a manuscript vision and just keep casting it. So I can just take Scripture and keep casting it. Scripture's good. That's, that, that relays the vision of God. But I have to be very aware of the vision of God right now. Like, what am I seeing? What is God doing right now? And instead of when we can't see clearly and going back to the heart and saying, what is impure in my heart? What, are my, what emotive is impure? What thought process is impure? What way of thinking about a person is impure? And immediately dealing with the impurity in the heart Sometimes we can, we can cast a cliche vision. And let's don't be a cliche vision casting church. Let's be a church that is just very current with the Holy Spirit because I'm willing to say something is not right because I am not seeing correctly. So let me deal with my heart. And in this season, in this time, it's really, it's really happening a lot. When, when things are off, we believe God deal with other people to change my heart. And, and that, that's what we see. It's very, it's very predominant right now when something's going wrong and we're dealing with people or a people group or, or a, a particular person. We think the Lord needs to change them to change the posture of our heart. Can I tell you that God will never change someone else to fix your heart. He will never change another person to deal with your heart. 
You are the governor of your heart, and he's given you permission to take your authority and put it under his authority, and his authority become your authority to deal with your heart on a consistent, daily, regular basis. And see, right now, when things are happening and people provoke me and there's something that begins to show itself that's not pure, I can't begin to ask the Lord to change them or change the situation. I need to first begin to deal with the purity of my heart. Because if I don't deal consistently with the purity of my heart, I will never have consistent vision. And it will be very easy within the confines of community, not confines, in the realm of community and and Christian people and Christian brothers and sisters to just cast mediocre vision. Or vision that was cast by somebody else and I not hear and see currently. And see, if I just cast a, a vision that's it's just, it's just I, I'm looking for that word, but it's just plain. It's just, it, it's not very specific for anything. And it's not very specific for what's going on in our community. It's not very specific for what's going on in my life, in our situations, in my family. If you just cast this plain vision that you pick, huh? Generic. There it is, man. See, Josh's vocabulary, my vocabulary. But if, if I don't have vision because my heart's not pure, I can just cast generic vision. And if I cast generic vision, generic vision doesn't have the ability and the spirit behind it to actually create change. So when you cast generic vision, you're getting generic results. And if I cast generic vision over my community, my community will have generic results. Because can I tell you, there's good things that we can go do in our community, but they don't have lasting eternal effects because I'm casting generic vision. Because why? I need to get back to the purity of heart. The blessed are those. Man, how, how beautiful that the Lord would say, you would be blessed that your heart would be pure. Jesus Christ would say, blessed are the pure in heart, for you're going to see me. You are going to see my Father. You are going to be able to act. He's actually saying you're going to be able to function like me. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So he actually said, blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will be able to function like me. Because I actually don't do anything unless I see it first. I don't actually do anything unless I see the Father doing it. And many of us will do Christian things and spiritual things outside of the realm of being able to see. That's why we do things and we wonder, why am I not producing kingdom results? Because we can do good spiritual things, but if I don't have vision because my heart is not pure, then I actually cannot see correctly. And he said, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. We, we have to, a blanket, me involved, me in the congregation with you, we have to be so aware and daily positioning our hearts in humility before the Lord to stay pure in heart. Can I tell you, purity can never be sustained where pride lives. If you have any pride in you, if you have, if I have any pride in me, you cannot stay pure in heart. You cannot. Purity cannot. Purity and pride cannot stay in the same heart. Pride will devour purity. Pride will devour vision. Pride will devour any power of the Spirit of God. Power and pride do not function in the same life. If you have pride, power will only last for a moment, but you will eventually run out off of the basis that pride it repels the Spirit of God. Pride pride repels it literally repels the spirit of God you can have the greatest prayer life in the world and get up and have pride buried in the depths of your heart towards people towards your ministry towards your church towards any given topic and Jesus will actually repel that prayer 
He, he, can't, he don't even want to put his hands on it because pride can't be found in him. I, I, love, I love what David said in the Psalms. And if you read in the Passion Translation, I think it's Psalms 19 or 27, when he said, I want to live so intimately close to you that you delight in my every prayer. Can I tell you the repelling of pride is actual vulnerable intimacy with Jesus. Vulnerable intimacy with Jesus will reveal your pride and then you have to deal with it. Vulnerability and intimacy is the ultimate, fa- is the ultimate road to purity and heart. Without vulnerability with the Lord, there will be no purity in heart. Without vulnerability with people, you won't stay pure in heart. If you fear uh, vulnerability for how someone will perceive you, you already started leaving the road to purity. You're already leaving the purity. You're already backing away from having a pure heart. If you are scared and fearful to be vulnerable, to say things that are actually going on in your heart, when you have, when you have, like I, I do life with people. I do life with amazing men and women of God. I do life with amazing women and men of God across the nations. I, I have contact with amazing men and women of God. And so many times, there will be times in conversation where I don't see it like you see it, and I don't even understand why I don't see it, but I don't want to say something because I may look different or it may bring about a a, a difficult moment and when I begin to back away from true vulnerability I'm actually leaving purity and I'm actually losing vision in the moment because can I tell you people who fear vulnerability actually have pride if you fear vulnerability to any extent you've actually let pride come and live pride is the enemy of vulnerability because why do we often not become vulnerable with people and with God because of perception. And if your perception plays in to how you express what's going on in your interior world, he said, talk to your brother. Talk about your sin so that you can pray and be cleansed and repent. Why is it that we have, when you have trouble with vulnerability, you can always track it back to pride. And when pride lives, purity will not. I want to talk about purity in heart because it's so important. And I'm going to read some scriptures too, and we're going to talk about some righteousness too. But purity is the only thing that will give us consistent vision. Because right now in this house, we're praying over revival. We're praying that the Spirit of God would move, live here, reside. That this would be a place that consistently governs itself by the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God is welcome. He's not quenched. He's not grieved. And can I tell you, if there is not an absolute hunger and desire for the purity, of heart, we will not get what we're praying for. We won't. We will not see the glory of the Lord live here permanently without constantly living before the presence of God in vulnerability and humility where He can deal with my heart consistently and swiftly. Can I tell you the things that contaminate the heart shouldn't take weeks, months, and years to deal with. He is the Spirit of God. He is purity to the greatest manifestation. And if you have been given the fullness of the Spirit, you should never have something that lives and dwells within you that is not pure. I should see it. I should hear it from the Spirit. He should point it out. And we should move swiftly. Because we have to become so violent to the things that are in my heart that may not be pure because they repel the Spirit of God. And I've got to look at it to that extent because that's how Jesus looks at it. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see me. If I'm not pure, I won't see. 
It has to be that basic. It has to be that simple. When Jesus puts it, can I tell you, and right now, You've been rolled out the red. We as a, a society have been rolled out the red carpet to purity because there's so many things that reveal the lack of. Did you hear me? There's so many things going on in society that will reveal the lack of purity. There are so many things that will reveal how you actually see people groups. There are so many things that will actually reveal how you see a certain person. Or a particular state, or a particular governing body, or a particular uh, political group. It's like we've been presented with the greatest, easiest measure to find all the impurities. But if you hide impurities towards people and perceptions of people within the confines of spirituality, it's still impurity. Matthew chapter 5, y'all write that down. Y'all know where that's at. Purity always lives a thing before it shouts a thing. In other words, if the Spirit speaks something to you, the pure in heart to live and stay in humility will grasp it, exercise it, live it before they shout it to others. Let's don't, to be the desire to be a church where people want to come to, shout things before we actually have things. Because you can shout, 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 shout. And that's why, even in this house, we've had times we're learning, we're having to grow. But have you ever wondered why would numbers grow and then they decrease? Have you ever wondered that? Because if we shout what we don't have, then they'll come because of the shout and they'll leave because they'll realize it had no substance. We have, in the purity of heart, we have to hear the Spirit and in such humility be willing to go low and catch, actually catch, to, to go low enough and go under, under whatever it takes to, to re- surrender and, and take away my, my vision and my pride and, and my ministry and how the world's going to see me and what my function is and what my position is. And we've got to get low and we've got to receive until it becomes my identity and then I get to get up and I begin to move in it and it's not inconsistent it doesn't come and go it becomes my truth it becomes my person it becomes my reality power is not coming and going because why? I heard the spirit and to protect the purity of heart I went low in humility until I had received a thing and had possessed a thing until before I got up because many times we'll hear something in the spirit and we know that if I go say that I'm going to look super spiritual That's good. If I say that on a Sunday morning, everybody's going to lift their hands and shout to me because it's good. I've done it. I've gotten revelation in the intimacy and got up and wanted to talk about it because I know the response will be good before I had gotten here and it become who I am. And you know what the saddest part of that is? I see it as like an ash in the wind. I love fire pit time in the summertime. I mean in the winter, not in the summertime, in the wintertime. I love to be around the fire pit and it one of my favorite things is when you stoke a fire and all those little glitter things come up. Like I could sit there just for like seven hours, just do like I love that. But I've always been amazed when you burn a piece of paper and that little piece of ash comes out and the wind just whew, 
What's sad is when we get in revelation in the intimacy of Jesus and we come shout it before we possess it, it becomes like one of those ashes in the wind. And you know what breaks my heart more than ever is that I've been going back to the Lord. What did I shout before I possessed? God, give me another chance to possess it. Because I've seen some things like ashes in the wind get blown away, and it was cool because I got man's approval. What did I talk about a while ago? You can't be pure in heart if you have pride. So we'll shout things before we possess them because it pats my ego. And, I, and people identify me as spiritual, but I'm not possessing anything. And so I've seen some things in my life throughout the years. They float away like an ash in a wind. And it was cool because I shouted it, but it, all of its substance is gone. And so like I, I've become uh, more aware of when I get something in intimacy to not talk about it until it's actually becoming who I am. Because I don't want to say something that I don't actually possess because I can't lead you into something I don't possess. And pride and lack of purity in my heart will consume me to shout, say, do things that I don't actually possess the power and substance of. So in our, in our time together as a family, we've got to be sure that we protect our purity and heart. And when we hear the Lord, it becomes our substance before it comes our, 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 our shout. Because there will be a day when Jesus will say, shout. Like when, when he, can, he, can, he can hold you accountable for what he's spoken in the quiet then he'll give you permission to shout. Don't, don't shout until you, don't have per, until you have permission. Don't declare what you don't actually understand. Don't sing about what we don't actually possess yet. Because sometimes we even sing worship songs that I wonder if I've even understood. Like I sing about the freedom of God, but am I really free? Because who the front son sets free is free indeed. And when I go home, am I actually in little parts and areas of my life lacking freedom? And faith in who I am as a believer and a son or daughter, and but I can sing about them. I, I worry about that sometimes in my own life. Am I singing about something that I actually possess? Or am I just shouting noise? I spent like a year praying over humility. Because I I had met this guy and uh he does ministry down in Mexico. And when I met him, uh, I met him in Tennessee. And the first time I met him, real quiet, uh, everything uh, my wife had described him like, I didn't really, uh, he wasn't what I was expecting. But when I met him, he had this humility about him. And I'm talking about all the time. He, he had it all the time. And when he did, he had this really quiet confidence in everything we were doing. And every, I mean heart, some heart. Uh, when I was with him for a little while, he, he went to some meetings and he just invited me to go with him. And we went in these meetings and they were hard meetings. They were like really intense things like <laughs> spiritual. Like it, to me, they would be a giant. Like the thing you're about to have to theologically debate blows my mind. I don't even know how to enter this. I, my brain would be twitching out as he's talking. It was that big. But humility had gripped his life, and he had spent so much time seeking the humility of Jesus. He would just, he would just swiftly move, and he would, I would watch him cut the giant's head off, and cut the giant's head off. And then when I met back up with him again, I talked to him, I would ask him out of curiosity, how's that situation going? And, and he, every time I brought up a situation, it was having the God kingdom resolve in it. It was, it was lasting. 
because his humility had given him permission to possess some things. And I began to seek the Lord, and the Lord was very swift to me to say, there are some things you talk about often you don't actually possess. And so I had to swiftly and immediately begin to get before the Lord. And I can say this year has been, been really trying because I feel like some things have been taken away from me so that I can actually possess them. My conversation about them has been taken so I can actually possess them. My conversation on some of the sides of healing have been taken away so that I can actually possess them. But can I tell you, it was, it was in the purity of heart, and I'm still, it's like a daily thing. It, ha, it has to be a value system. Purity in heart has to be a value in my life, or I won't go before the Lord and get that thing pure daily. I, I won't be okay with Him talking to me about the purity in my heart daily. It's got to be a, such a high value. But can I tell you, before you value purity, you've got to value seeing God. Seeing, like progressive. If you're content with, I have seen God, then you won't daily present your heart to the Lord to stay pure. Because the continual seeing God is no longer a value to you. I can, can I tell you, I don't say that. I don't like that. That's not the spirit. But there was a reason God said, give us this day. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Can I tell you, if the glory of God falls in this house and the revival comes we're praying for, it won't stay if you don't have continual vision, seeing God, daily seeing the Lord. Seeking him to that capacity. Because one of the things that amazes me is when you study revivals throughout history, the Wales revival, revival in Brownville, there was a revival in Oregon, the, the revivals throughout, they all ended to a capacity. Now, some of them had longer lasting effects. Some of them are still having lasting effects. I don't want it to belittle that. But a lot of them had an end date. And I've always wondered why. If you go research, purity of heart died. Some of it would look like affairs. Some of it would look like sexual immorality. Some of it would look like greed. Some of it would look like men becoming so boastful that they thought they were the center of the move of God so they would break off and do their own thing and then they would both die. Purity of heart begin to stop being of value because can I tell you when you first want revival in a move of God there's the purity of heart because there's such a hunger and thirst but if the, the, the revival comes and you don't value the purity in heart it already has an end date you're just running to it there's already a finish line marked out and you're sprinting to it so if we want lasting revival this has to become our value system and the value to see God daily has to happen now has to happen now I had I had a uh, a thing happen last week where I, I'll just be vulnerable with y'all about a situation for me where I, I lost some purity in heart and the Holy Spirit dealt with it swiftly. Um, we, we were doing something company-wise and somebody said something about our company. And when I did, I, I left that conversation and I just thought, man, we're doing really good. And it wasn't something that if I'd have just said it out loud to you, you wouldn't have thought it was prideful. But in my heart, I took some of the credit of that thing being progressive, successful, and favored. I have to work. Me and Josh have to work. We have to be diligent. We have to be stewards. We have to put in time. 
But can I tell you, we're still, out of doing all that, are not the reason for the blessing. And can I tell you, even, can I, see, here's what's crazy about the kingdom of God and how humility works, is we have to work, we have to steward, we have to invest time, but we're still not the reason. Isn't that crazy? I can work to the bone till I bleed. I can give my time. I can give my mind. I can give my heart. I can give my stewardship. And this thing can explode. But I'm still not the reason. He's still not the reason. And the minute I think one of those things is a credit to the success, humility is dying and pride is winning. Now, take that in this house, in, in, in a community setting. We're praying, we're praying, we're praying, and the move of God begins to happen, and you accredit your prayers to the revival and the glory coming. Humility is leaving and pride is consuming. Can I tell you, prayer can become one of the most prideful things in the desire of a move of God. Because you cannot have a move of God without prayer, but you are not the reason it comes when it comes. It's the goodness of God to say, I want to move on a company of people because I love them. It's, it's the kingdom. That's what humility is. You can't have it without prayer, but you're not the reason it comes. I'm not. If I get in this space, in this room, and fast for 40 days and lay on the floor 18 hours a day in prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord, and all of a sudden the glory came, if I stood up and thought I was the reason it came, I missed it and... So we have to be careful. Even our prayer is bathed in humility and the purity in heart. Or we will not see anything we're praying for. It has to. It has to. It has to. It has to live in the humility and the purity of heart. It's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of God to give Him his, uh, all these things. It's, it's the heart of God. It's part of our inheritance. Ah. I feel like, I said this a while ago, like the red carpet's been rolled out because there's, it's like we're in this, I'm going to say it like an amazing opportunity. Because it is, it's a, if you look at this the right way, it is an amazing opportunity to assess every part of your heart. Because when everything's going good in society and the person you wanted to be in office was voted in and all the bills are being passed in the favor of the church and everything's just like you think it ought to be in the United States, it's really hard to find the impurities in your heart. But the minute somebody starts saying something and you think about them in a mannerism that is not by the Spirit of God, He's revealing an impurity. And if you don't deal with it swiftly, He will deal with your authority by taking it. People that don't have purity in heart do not have the authority to do anything. You can speak, yell, shout, involve, pray, but you don't actually... It, 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 I don't want to say that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1, I want to talk about righteousness and our inheritance. Uh, what time did we get here? 6.15? Is that what time we started? Okay. I'll be super swift on this next part. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Let me give a little backdrop because I don't have enough time to go into all of it. Actually, let's go to verse uh, 20 and 21. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Uh, uh, Paul is describing himself. I'm an ambassador. I've been given all of heaven's authority to have this conversation with you. That's what he's saying. I've been granted permission to have this conversation. As though we are pleading through us. 
We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation to God is connection. It's, it's taking where there was no connection and making their connection intimacy again. It's bringing back connection to God. So he said, I implore that you be reconciled to God. Connection first, okay? Look at that. I implore that you be reconciled to God. I implore that you be connected intimately to God. For he made him who knew no sin be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God. And if you were to take different measures of righteousness, what measure is the greatest measure of righteousness there could ever be? The righteousness of God. It's God's own righteousness. There's not a greater measure. There's not like ABC and he's the better version. It's, it's like, it's the max. It's it. That's the greatest definition of, 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 uh, of righteousness. And he said, he made him who knew no sin be sin. Righteousness is God's nature. It's his character. It's who he is. It's everything he is is in right standing with himself. And he's just, it's, it's his expression. Everything he does is in righteousness. And he said, Jesus became your nature so you could become his nature. But when you've got to look at righteousness, now look, this is just my belief. I'm, I'm pulling two stories together that the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about. I don't have a lot of theological background, so take it with a grain of salt and go pray about it. But you remember when the woman was at the well? And uh, she the, had the exchange, the Samaritan woman with Jesus. And he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. Because if you have a drink of what I have, you'll never thirst again. In Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And he told her, if you have a drink of what I have, you'll never thirst again. I believe that when you're born again, righteousness is immediately quenched. Because it's the righteousness of God. I believe we grow in holiness. Holiness is the actual perfection of character as things are revealed. I believe righteousness is immediately quenched because he said, because of Jesus, we can come boldly before the throne. I can't go boldly before a righteous God if I am not righteous. But if you believe you are not fully and completely righteous, your prayer, study, and good works will make you believe you're actually trying to obtain righteousness. And if you ever position to doing spiritual things to obtain righteousness, it's no longer a gift and you have become the center of the faith. Because you believe serving you can become righteousness. Your prayer, your fasting, your reading is going to become righteousness so you actually believe I can honor myself and I'll become more righteous because I get to choose what is righteousness. I'm saying this because to be in the purity of heart and the vulnerability to God, you have to be able to boldly approach the throne of grace every day. And if you don't believe you are the fullness of righteousness, you will never have boldness. You can't become before God to see the things in the heavenly realm, possess the things that are our inheritance, and, and, and release them if you don't believe you've actually obtained them. And everything is obtained through righteousness, the gift of Jesus Christ. That's just, I tied those two stories together. You can pray about it, but I like it. That's what the Holy Spirit said to me. I think it's great. And can I tell you that in intimacy with Jesus, 
the, he said, be reconciled to God. The minute I'm born again and connected to God, I, he took, I had a sin nature before that moment. He took my nature. I became his nature, which was righteousness. And so now that I have a brand new nature, I live in righteousness. I possess righteousness. Righteousness is who I am. I can't become any more righteous. Now I get to leave the basics of Christianity where I'm trying to, trying to fix this guy and I can come up here to the faith and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'm no longer dead in my trespasses, but I'm alive in Christ. I'm no longer a belittled orphan that is not in right standing with a holy God. I am now. He instantly sees me through Jesus. And he doesn't think Jesus is lacking any righteousness. So why do you think you are? When I believe that, my prayer life shifts. When I believe that, the way I pray for people shifts. When I believe that, the, you were praying about the ministering to people. If, can I tell you, you believe this one thing, that prayer is going to come true. It instantly. The minute you believe I'm the righteousness of God and I'm the full capacity, tomorrow when you go to work, you will immediately begin to engage situations that you were fearful to engage yesterday. Because you're the max capacity of Jesus. Go for it. Send it. You can do it. Power. Go. Fire. When we become righteousness, now let's go back to the content. I'm going to be really quick. I'm sorry. I'm being long-winded. But let's go back to the purity of heart really quick. I know that I'm righteous because of Christ Jesus. I've become the fullness of righteousness. Righteousness is not being right. Righteousness proves you know you're wrong and you've humbled yourself to a higher authority. True righteousness cannot be identified in a man because humility will be all over him. If you believe you're righteous, humility will be what people can truly identify you by because you have understood, I have nothing good within me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ himself says, why do you call me good when the only thing good is my Father? If Jesus would be willing to say that, even me in my greatest state of belief of righteousness, I can never look to myself and say, you're good. You're the reason something's going good. You're the reason this going's great. Jesus said, the only thing good is my Father. Where there's righteousness, you will be able to identify humility. Boldness can only precede conviction and faith of my righteousness. Last point on humility. I just wrote this earlier. Because this is super easy to fall into, and I have to guard my heart. And I'm not always the great at it. I get pulled into conversations sometimes, and I have to, like, I've had to go back and repent. And, I, and I, even this week, like, I've had to go have some conversations with people that I didn't feel like I, I was really excellent in this area. But purity never participates in gossip. Gossip is the destruction of another human's character or their image. And humility never, never, ever, ever, ever participates in gossip. If you have gossip on your lips, you've already left humility, and repentance needs to come swiftly. Um, humility. A lot of people avoid humility because they think it's weakness. Humility is the greatest form of power you could ever operate in because Jesus identified in humility. I did a study on one time, and, in the, and I forget... It's been a little bit. And, and John, I think in like the first nine chapters of John, Jesus states 
he lived in humility or he offered up not his own uh, theology. I forget one uh, uh, translation says his own theology, but like the way he's seen things, he literally said that in John that it's not even my own, it's his. Jesus was the epitome of, of humility, but he was the epitome of power in dealing swiftly with anything that began to exalt itself over the kingdom of God. Uh, so that's it. Yep. Can I pray over you? Okay. I'm sorry. I was very long-winded. Um, but uh, I have an impartation for you. Um, not that I have obtained the fullness, but I, 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 I've been seeking it hard for the humility of God and the purity of heart. And I would just like to pray over you that if you if you want to see the glory of God just rest on this house as you as a part of that community or just you as an individual. Like if you just want uh, the fire of God is the most important ministry tool ever. Because it's not a tool, it's the presence. And when you minister in the presence, everything changes. You don't have to have all the intellectual because you've got Jesus and he's the thing that unlocks hearts. So if you just want to say, like right now, I want to be baptized in a fresh pureness of heart. And what that means is, look at it like this, is a cup that might have dirt in it. And if I started gushing fresh water in it, that dirt's got to come out immediately. So be ready if you pray this prayer and you really want it. And I'm going to pray over you. I want you to stand up. But be ready because if you pray this, dirty things might gush out. And it might, it might be tonight. It might be while we're praying. And it may, we may have, I'm going to pray over me too, that I may have to swiftly start dealing with some stuff. I, I'm, this may have to get fast. Like I may have to, woo, I may have to make some phone calls tomorrow. I may have to set up some meetings this week. I may have to go back and deal with some situations. I may have to go give some money somewhere. I may, you know what I'm saying? So, Shorabayete, I thank you, Father, that everyone that's standing right now says, baptize me in the purity of heart. So, Father, right now, as your spirit is often said to be like a mighty rushing water, you know, a wind, but you are, you're so often translated as water. God, I pray fresh water of the Spirit begin to gush into our lives and begin to just purge, purge our hearts right now with the purity of God. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast.